Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where the Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who've had enough of this shit. Chris and the Riz. Hey, howdy ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast, episode 513. This is the Detroit Lions Controlled Fury. Maybe the fans less controlled. This is the official Detroit Lions Podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris. And with me is my good friend, co-host, and future traveling companion at the Senior Bowl, Jeff the Riz Risden. How you doing, brother? I am very happy to be covering a team that's going to be hosting a playoff game in a little over a week. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about that because that's going to be interesting in its own right. (laughs) Yes, it is. Who they play. uh, The odds on that have changed very significantly in the last 12 or so hours. Yeah. we, We will certainly have to talk about that. Yes, yes, yes. So we got a lot. We got warm ups. We got a review of the Dallas game. And we're going to talk about the game itself mostly when we do our review, because after that, the wonderful and I know I know he's controversial, folks. I know some of you absolutely hate him, but I'll just tell you, this is the this is the reality. When you get to know a person like on a more human level, I've spent. I don't know, a lot of hours, lots of hours with hanging out with Dean talking um, outside of the show, you know, and, and all this stuff. He's genuinely wonderful human being if you get to know what he is as a person you, you'll get a little bit of a different perspective and take the job away from the person that being said um he does have a job and he has a capacity and we're gonna have some questions for him we've done it before he's he doesn't shy away from hard questions um he's gonna have some today he, he's gonna have to field some today and he, he's he's aware i haven't told him any of the questions i just told him we're gonna have some he's joining from his car he's running a little bit behind i just got i just heard but that that's okay dean's dean's a cool guy he's here he's here to have the conversation and, and talk and we'll we'll get to he it goes back with, this, this is the fourth time he's been on our podcast yeah uh, including a lot the live show uh was that three years ago four years ago he, he, co- he come on he co-hosted an episode with me him and orlovsky the two guys that have co-hosted an episode with me it's that's so right. crazy that's right that's good <laughs> trivia right there um yeah lance great human being or not i don't really care what he has to say i get that like i totally understand that but let's it's the benefit of information and you've got us asking questions yeah. the benefit of information here is only going to help is only going to help. So I think it's, it's, and he's, he's a lot more connected than a lot of people. So I would also say, remember, he hasn't worked for the league for over a decade now. Yep. Um, I think, or not, not quite that long. He's been out for a long time. He's been doing media for a very long time mm-hmm. and he doesn't, he's not beholden to the league. Like if he, if he thinks there was a foul, he's going to, he's going to call foul. Yep. He's not going to stand up for it. I, I remember asking him about Jeff Triplett, who was my least favorite human of all time. Um, how he could behind rule. Stevie Miller. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, that's that might be true. But uh, I asked Dean, and Dean's like, "Yeah, he wasn't good at his job. Like he he came out and said it." I'm like, "Well, yeah. thank you, thank you for saying that." So he he will uh, he will let us know why. I think his perspective is going to be important on why the process that the NFL has gone through has been gone through. Why they're doing what they're doing. Yep. Um, and why why uh. Why? Like Brad Allen. <laughs> Why? 
why Brad Allen is such a fuck stick. I, yep. That's about all I can say. Yep. Uh, I did. We did hear what he said on Sunday and there's, he's going to have an opportunity to walk some of that back. I, I will say as somebody that has done post game shows and then shows a couple days later in the moment, things sometimes change and they, the, you know, you process it things maybe you think a little differently but we'll see we'll see what he has to say that's fine i think it's it's just it's good information and then uh and we'll talk about what to do with that from a fan's perspective and the team and all that mm-hmm. stuff as we go on. from there we'll talk about the playoffs we're gonna talk about a couple of departing lions that we wish their 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 foot pads well and a look ahead to the minnesota vikings we got all that and a whole lot more coming up this show riz are you ready to go my man oh yeah let's do it Let's kick this off and break it down. All right. Control Fury. <laughs> Control Fury. Control Fury. It's a good metal band. Honestly. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, really quick. Uh, thanks to Jeanette Brindle for the subscription. Appreciate you for doing that. Thanks, Flounder, for your super chat. I know you're working for St. Jude, helping us raise money there. That's really kind of you. Um, we'll do that, and we'll talk about that. Um, so that's where we're going. Let's get into the show. First, we do warm-ups as people gather around to, to, for the live part. The live show is where you get to get this ad-free. We've got a new way coming for folks, so uh, we'll get there. That's I thought true. about putting an FTR thing. It doesn't fit, so I have to, I have to figure something out, John. My, my creative juices are still trying to... <laughs> condensed for that one <laughs> um oh, i should probably put that up there there you go john um all right so first thing on the warm-ups mcdc i just want to say thank your personal heavily heavenly being or the great spaghetti monster or whoever else for mcdc being the coach of the detroit lions he is exactly what this team needed in a moment like this the concept of control fury came out of his mouth on the uh, the the new year's day presser um you could tell he hit the reset button overnight i think there was some of the fury came out of it it got a little bit of talk about but he got pummeled he got basically doxxed by somebody on angie's list and they buried him and his wife's phones in contractor calls i think glazer may have been misspeaking when he said they showed up on the front deck but it was it was crazy because he was like he would just answer and scream one word in the phone hang up up he was raging about that right after the dallas loss it was crappy and then he has to come into work and he has to face that press conference the the pressure the the, the frustration i mean i know everything was running over he stood there like an absolute unit and walked through it and had it under control and said and basically without maybe saying these words all of this rage and frustration and anger, they're going to focus on the, the, the task at hand, on the next job, on Minnesota. And I know a lot of the other coaches were there the next day on to Minnesota. Mad or not, frustrated or not, wipe it away. Goldfish memory, other than take the rage and pour it forward and go. I, I can't imagine Jim Schwartz right now leading this team in this, <laughs> into this situation. Conversely, I can't imagine Caldwell leading in this situation and i mean because it would be the, it would be blah, well you know and people it would be just like holy shit like nobody supports it like ter- the the owners are doing what they're doing we'll talk about that in a second dan campbell is the perfect guy to be coaching this team under these this situation and i'm just so thankful that he is the detroit lions coach right now you know he hit the right note in in moving on because they have to move on like we as fans don't have to move on as as quickly, and we haven't. But he's he's got a team to prepare not just for this Minnesota game, but 
whether they're playing Green Bay or the Rams in another week. Like they got to they got to start prepping for that too. Like they know Minnesota pretty well. There's not a lot at stake for Detroit in this game. Um, th- there's a very off chance that they could get the number two seed. I don't see it happening. Quite frankly, I don't think they see it happening. So they're they're getting what they can. And the controlled fury, the idea of channeling like the misgivings and what the 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 shameful way they've been treated, they've got an outlet to exercise that demon, to show the world that it didn't bother them. And I think that Dan hit exactly the right note with that because uh, I, I I know one of the reasons. One of the reasons why Jim Schwartz didn't work as a coach was because he couldn't get past that. Yep. I'll, I'll go, but I'll go to another Jim. Jim Harbaugh, great coach this year. Uh, let's go back a few years to when uh, there was a questionable spot of a football, and he he forgot how to coach the rest of the entire game. He he would not stop talking about that even in the post game press conference after like thirty five plays after that were were gone. Like he quit coaching his team. Like Dan, Dan Campbell didn't do that. Dan Campbell understands you get, there's a job that still has to be done, whether I'm angry or sad or elated or whatever. And I think he's got a perfect focus for that. I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because I don't think that's getting mentioned enough. I, you know, Jim Harbaugh, I, I will say, whether you're a Michigan person or not, and I'll admit I am, I am. So sorry for some, for those that aren't, yay for those that are, whatever. Um, but Jim Harbaugh has absolutely grown as a coach and it's odd that it's happened this, this, this late in his life. You know what I mean? That because he's, I don't know, he's like 70 or something, right? Like, I don't want to age, overage him or whatever. I'm just taking this out of my ass a little bit. So whatever, but to watch basically when he took the smaller contract to stay at Michigan and move on and do what he did with that team has been a massive growth out of him as a coach and a, and, 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 and a person it's really, he's changed a great deal. Mm-hmm. I, you have to respect it. What, what, whoever the coach is, whatever yeah. team you have to expect, uh, uh, respect that kind of type of introspection and growth out of somebody. So uh, give him credit for that. Whether you don't like him for other reasons, Hey, that's fine too. That's okay. But, um, so Dan Campbell, the guy for the job and the other coaches, it's, it sounds like are right there with him. They, I love our staff. I really, really love our staff. Now there's another job. Did you want to hit on that one more time before I moved on to the next the next piece? The other thing I'll say is that you haven't heard any coach say anything stepping out of line, even like off the record. Like there's none of that. Even Decker. That's pretty Skip. cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Skip and Dex right there. Like, and and I'll talk about that a little bit. The frustration of the league can say and do anything. They can taunt you with their videos, and we'll talk about that. Um, and and you're not allowed <laughs> to say absolutely anything is is Dex really yeah, yeah. Good. Good. So anyway, the next piece of ownership, that's MCDC in the team. And I see some people in the chat, but I want to be mad a little bit longer. That's okay. That's what fans do. And that's what the owners need to do. The owners need accountability out of the league. Sheila needs to see and hear from the fans how important this is to step up and say, you likely cost my city millions of dollars of revenue in a playoff game. You cost us millions with your admitted failure because you demoted them after the game, right? This, she needs to hammer the shit up. And it's not the first time, right? She needs to be, how, how do we help her do that? 
Well, that's the fan's job is to stay mad, stay angry, my friends, <laughs> go out and, uh, and, and let them know. And I, I think mockery and humiliation is, is the best tool. I don't, I think like one of the things we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit, the idea, like the tripping call came up every time a situation, the batted ball comes up. Oh, well there's, there was this other flag, the, the, the false face mask comes up. Well, there was this flag here that wasn't called it's always a situation where the fans get pitted against each other and everyone forgets that, no, no, the refs did a shit job and the NFL has done nothing about it for ages, for ages. We, we, we're in a situation where the, the owners, and I'm going to ask Dean about this, voted to have pass interference be reviewable. And the ref said, nah, we're not going to turn We're never going to overturn it. We're just not going to do it. Told the owners pound sand and the competition committee pound sand and walked away with it. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Refs didn't want to do it. They just, they, they didn't want to enforce the rules. They, they found their out was to just call defensive holding all the time. Okay. He held. Um, oh. By the way, that's, that's not a bad idea either, because at least the penalty for that isn't as punitive. Yeah. That was <laughs> Instead of a 55 yard penalty. It's a 15 yard penalty. That was that they changed that. That's that's some of those things. So they need to be held accountable. Don't if the if the Dallas fans say, well, what about the tripping penalty? Just say Des didn't catch it then, right? Because this is about bad officiating. It's not about who won that game. Sure, they won the game. We got to move on from that. That's never ever going to change. That part you have to go. You have to follow the MCDC model and walk away from. But you can still be mad about it. And you can still raise it up. But it's not to be mad about who won the game or didn't win the game because of what penalty. There was a shitload of missed penalties in that game. That was an absolute abuse on officiating. That was a school of comedy in officiating on how just terrible and egregiously bad that game was called. If, if you would have told me that there wasn't an umpire officiating that game, I would have believed you mm-hmm. because there was hands to the face. There was holding was locks. Um, by the way, Detroit was guilty of two of those and they didn't mm-hmm. get called. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there was a lot of like the line play, like my God, it was, it was as lawless of a game as I've ever seen one. Yep. Yep. And both, both teams a lot of missed or, or ignored action there. I would, yeah. This is probably yeah. the best way to say it. They, they, they purposely ignored it, just as he purposely ignored her to look at Dan, look at, uh, Dan Skipper waving substitution instead of mm-hmm. you know, going off. We'll talk about that, too. I, the, the story doesn't change off the camera. I've talked to people who privately have talked directly to skips and, um, and Decker and the story doesn't change at all. And the story was exactly the same immediately after the game. You saw it on the sideline with skips. I didn't say anything, right? I didn't report. You saw his lips. Nobody you didn't have story, a chance to. Dude took off. N- nobody got a chance to ever like collaborate or corroborate on a story and come yeah. out with, yeah, that's what we're going to say. It's all there. It's on video. We saw what it was. So there it is. That's that's the rules. We've done our warm ups. We've got everyone in the house. Let's get on and talk about the Lions versus the Cowboys game. First off, holy cow, the officiating was bad. But we'll talk about that when Dean gets here. <laughs> um, the defense, Jeff, did you think that the defense would step up against the Dallas Cowboys as they did, because other than that 92 yard CD lamb, I think that leaves CD with 130 yards at that point. Right. Something like that, <laughs> which, which it's a good game for a receiver, yeah. right? That's a good game for a receiver. Yeah. But that, that one again, that was, I mean, if Barnes would have 
played that officially. It's ifs and buts and sort of soup and nuts or whatever the hell that is. Uh, <laughs> he use your freaking arms, Derek. Yeah, yeah. Don't arm tackle, but use your arms. <laughs> so that you know, there's there's reasons why that didn't need to happen. There's a big hole in that play. Kaminsky was basically mugged. Um, but whatever. You take that one away. The defense actually didn't play too poorly on the day. Surprisingly well against def- uh, Dallas's setup in Dallas because that was the big fear that we would not be able to stop them at all and ever. And and the re- the remarkable part is we did a number of times. We did. We did. The defense was the better unit than the offense. Uh, they held the Cowboys to half their home scoring average. Um, the offense actually didn't score as much as their typical home opponent does. Like it was, it was frustrating in that regard. The defense. Aaron Glenn has rediscovered that aggression works. And I don't know, I don't know like what the solution was that, that made it set off for him. Maybe it was inserting iffy into the lineup. Maybe it's getting Kaminsky and Pascal back healthy. I think that that has certainly helped. I think Josh Pascal's played a lot better than, than what his PFF score says and what his stat line says. I think he's played some pretty good football recently. Um, I like the idea of if you know you can't cover them deep, pressure them more, and maybe he won't have time to get it deep. That seems to be working pretty well lately, and yeah. I, I like that. It's a good change. Like we talked about it, I forget I forget when it was, but it was one of the games where they didn't get any pressure at all, and there was like the, the safeties. Tracy Walker was still playing back then, and the safeties are just like. They're not helping in coverage. The linebackers aren't good enough in coverage that you can rely on. So, quarterback, screw things up, and they're not doing that. And that, yeah. that, by the way, translates against anybody, whether they're playing San Francisco or Philadelphia or Dallas or whoever they might play in the postseason. That yeah. works um, because the outside cornerback position is not going to get better, and it's been awful, awful lately. And the safeties, when they're going forward, are pretty good, especially Iffy. Deep coverage, Kirby, sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. Iffy, he's really good going forward. Like That's, that's where you're at with the safeties and helping out on the deep stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but, 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 I, I like making their best as they can with they've got good coaching. Yes, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lower your... Um... Your 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 resolution there is to try to save a little bandwidth. See what we can do here because we're getting a little bit of lockups on you. So everything's everything's good on this side. I'm just changing it for you, just so you know. So it'll get a little okay. blocky, blurry. All right. So there we go. Um, yes, <laughs> you're not Matt. You're Jeff. Uh, <laughs> so oh god, <laughs> I think um, the offense did not. I mean, the, the offense like oh boy, you you. you <laughs> you, I, I saw somebody say this today. I was like, yeah, but then I was like, no, I was like, ah, uh, someone said, I don't ever want to hear about, uh, Ben Johnson getting too cute ever again. Right. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> he's doing it every game. <laughs> the getting too cute is kind of what got us there in that position at the end, because that offense is way better than that. Um, we, I don't know. He, we, for a couple of drives there, a couple of drives were beautifully drawn up. Were beautifully run. Yes, they were. Some of them were. The first drive was great. Yeah. They didn't score on it, but it was great. 
Some of those were like, wow. <laughs> I don't know what we're thinking. If we could never, ever do a backward pass to Jameer Gibbs again, it would be too soon. I, I just stop with that. I get a heart attack now ever since the one that nobody seemed to realize. What was it against the um, the Vikings that he dropped and it went out of bounds, luckily, and well, then no gosh. one realized it. And they just called it an incomplete yep. pass. That was a live ball. Should have been a backwards pass fumble <laughs> and an illegal batting penalty all in one. They didn't call it. <laughs> it's too many. They didn't have a flag, so they just called it. You know, an you pass. Probably didn't throw your hat. <laughs> I, I would say um, on that front, I don't think that Ben Johnson had a good appreciation for how fast Dallas's defense was, yes. and I don't think that they emulated in practice that weird three-three-five defense that they play or three-two-six defense that Dallas often plays. And it really messed them up. Their guards, like, they didn't know how to handle the speed. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, aside from Micah Parsons, that line is built to penetrate. They're not built to, to hold. And they were so fast that all the movement that you try to do, whether it's a G-power or a trap or something, their defense is too fast to do that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And the Lions paid for that a lot. It didn't help that Jonah Jackson had the worst game of his life. It didn't help that Graham Glasgow had one of the worst games of his life. That didn't help. That certainly didn't help Ben Johnson. But I don't think that Ben – I don't think he studied Dallas enough, quite frankly. Uh, because you want to beat Dallas, do what Buffalo did, do what Miami did. Do, do, what, do what Washington did. Washington ran down their throat. Yeah. Yep. Have guy, block guy in front of you. Move him. They'll move. They get moved. Their linebackers not very good at that kind of stuff. Like that's how you beat them. And and he didn't do. He, it was like he was trying to show everybody how smart he was. Like, oh, I know that everybody knows that that's what we're going to do. So we're not going to do that. Like, right. just do it. Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> there was there was that was messy. And there's been a lot of that with Ben Johnson lately, and it's frustrating the hell out of me, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. We've got we got a good friend here who is on the line. We, we want him to. He's driving, but we, and we want him to turn his phone horizontally if we can to when he gets a chance because he, it'll help him fill the frame. <laughs> we get to see his whole beautiful face. But um, we're gonna have we're gonna have a real serious conversation with our good friend Dean Lynn. You know, Dean, how you doing, bud? <laughs> I'm good, guys. How are you? Good, good, good. Very good, Dean. I, good to see you. Appreciate you talking to us on such short notice i mean we threw this together last night i want i want to go right into the the video that came out we because that's the first thing i want to do i want to source that right what dean's a lions fan and he's talking about all these things people it, that blew up i i would hate to be your twitter like i would hate to have to monitor your feed because wow oh man it it's so it's so funny because i get cameo requests all the time a lot of fantasy football stuff and I knew when I got that request, I knew what whoever it was was trying to do. And and you should have seen what they wanted me to say about Brad Allen and everything else. And and so I just took it in like a fun way, tongue in cheek. Um, but people, I you know, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I think maybe sarcasm and irony is lost on people. It was it was kind of a joke. And but I am. You know, you guys know, I mean, Chris, we've been, I've ran around Detroit with you. 
I'm a Lions. I didn't grow up a Lions fan, but I I consider myself a Lions supporter, and I'm part of I'm part of the you know one pride whatever you whatever you want to call it. I'm- yeah, we have we have fun with that, and I mean we've talked about that on on the air. Dean grew up in New York. He was a Giants guy. I mean, because that's you always have your team that you grow up with, right? But he's he's a he's a football fan first and foremost. He likes the game, and it's fun to have certain teams. and And, and the Lions have become a, a little warm spot in his heart. I mean, to say that you're a fan, Dean. I mean, that have we'd have to throw a little bit of a flag, right? <laughs> I didn't grow up with the Lions. I didn't grow up with the you know, the heartbreak and everything else, but I am rooting for the lions and that video was done tongue in cheek, have a little fun with it. And I mean, some of the responses, geez, and Hey, lions fans are passionate. I'll give you that. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Okay. I've got to ask you this question again and we stumbled on it a little bit last time, but did Des catch that ball? No, of course not. And, and he did not catch the ball and it never would have happened had 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 we not picked up the flag the week prior incorrectly picking up the flag it should have been a foul on on anthony hutchins on brandon Pettigrew. Lions should have had a first down and and you know not saying they they absolutely would have won the game but i think it would have you know i think they would have had a better chance to win that game and then the des play doesn't happen but everything happens for a reason then you we we all would not have been friends so maybe yeah, that's true. maybe that that's it there you go there you go all right i want to talk about this this one and riz i please jump in at any time you know i i i take and run with with dean a lot and you, you did i want to just for everyone they said go right. ahead you're yeah. asking questions i would ask so <laughs> cool cool i want to i want to talk about this call in dallas and and what happened and and there's some criticism on sunday of your response um, and, and the, the idea of, Hey, we're blaming the lions here for what happened. And I kind of want to go through it just a little bit from what we've been able. And, and of course we've had the benefit of a couple of days to analyze this. Right. But in, in doing this, I've tried to put myself in each of the people's positions and what they knew and what they did and to kind of get to my conclusion. But so what I think I saw here was the lions did something that I had, don't remember anyone doing before in the NFL and that's being an offensive team away in one in a massively noisy environment, using the crowd noise to their benefit. Because Panay Sewell is the guy that everybody knows uh, caught the the pass for the first down, the big pass on uh, last year to to win the game. He's the guy that I wouldn't seen practice that before. At the same time, Dan Skipper has been running out reporting all season long as eligible. So when you say, hey, we're going to have 68 reporters eligible, the defense is, number one, going to be confused. Well, it's been 70, right? So so something's different here. And with the crowd noise so loud, they can very much just think it was 58. You know what I mean? So you have a couple opportunities for the defense to get confused and to help you get your left tackle open. So interesting, interesting, very strategic use. So there's one thing Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson, that, that crew is, is very creative. And it's something I don't think we've seen a lot of over the years in Detroit. So so we, we, we see them doing that. But I think about Brad Allen here and he was absolutely sure of himself afterward. But there was 12 seconds from when. Jared Goff entered the huddle. So they had already made the calls, everything else. I don't know if the, if anyone could hear on the ground, the call that the ref made the announcement about eligibility. 
I didn't hear it on the TV. I didn't, there was no indication at all that there was a verbal announcement out loud. I don't know if they heard it or could, could make the change to, to, or, or to make the change of on what was out there. Cause the crowd noise was so loud, but then, so there was those 12 seconds that Brad could have said, wait a minute. And he had time to think that through. It wasn't as rushed as maybe we think it was. Um, and then 18 seconds after the touchdown till the flags thrown. So I'm thinking, wait a minute, if it's illegal touching, that's right away. You know it, Brad, right? I think in, in looking at this, Brad Allen realized he made a mistake. He went on autopilot, said the wrong thing, said the wrong number because he'd been saying it all day, realized he made a mistake. And in the conference, they said, how the hell do we fix this? And their fix was to penalize the Lions. And then so there's a couple I'm going I'm to pause there and say, is that plausible? Do you see something different? What's your thoughts on that? I think, and I just want to set the record straight. I don't, I don't place the blame on the line. Hey Dean, hey Dean, really quick. Here, the last thing is, hey Dean, really quick. Sorry, sorry. Um, you're breaking up a little bit. We lost you a little bit in the. I think you were switching cells. Can you? Can you? Start over from when I when I asked you that. Just we'll make sure we get your answer. Yeah, yeah. So here's the Lions, and I want to set the record straight. I I don't place the sole blame on the Lions. The Lions didn't do anything illegal. They did nothing illegal. What they tried to do, like you explained, was disguise the fact that 68 was going to be eligible. And I have no no doubt in my mind that Taylor Decker reported. I have no doubt because the play doesn't work. If Taylor Decker doesn't report, it, it, it's there's no point in running the play because he's the one that's going to be on the end of the line. He's the one that's going to catch the pass. I think Brad Allen, when Skipper came running onto the field, he went into autopilot. Skipper had reported earlier in the game, and he assumed that Skipper was reporting. He went too fast, and that's what happened. And so I think... In the in the whole setup, the Brett out went too fast, should have slowed down, and I think the way the Lions presented it was unusual. You don't typically have three offensive linemen approach the referee when only one is going to report as eligible, and I think that I think that created some confusion um, by design. You're trying to confuse the defense. I think it I think it confused Brett Allen. I think he went too fast, and I think that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, Riz, go ahead. Sorry. My question would be the flags themselves because they did not get thrown right away. Yeah. Where, um, and I, I didn't pay attention enough to who threw the flag. What did Brad throw the first flag? Cause I know there was like four or five flags that were thrown. And then in the ensuing conversation that happened, do you think that maybe like the, the field judge, the back judge was like, Hey, you might be wrong on this. Do you think they? Do you think those conversations might have happened on the field there with Brad Allen? I think the conversation that happened. Remember, it doesn't cast though. though that's terrible enough. So, I what happened? Hey, Dean. With the ball. It, and Dean, it happened again. You started talking right, right as you're switching cells. Can, you were great the second time. Can maybe we do it again? Sorry. <laughs> Just yeah. want to make sure we get yeah, it. Yeah, of course. 
so here's what I think happened. And this is normal. This can happen in these situations. 68 normally doesn't catch passes, right? That's, that's an, that's an offensive lineman number. And so when 68 catches the pass, deep officials will go to the referee and say, Hey, did 68 report because he caught the pass? A lot of times in the stadium, you can't hear the announcement, especially at field level. So they'll go to the referee Thank and say, you. Did, 68, did 68 report? And then the conversation says, wait, no, 68 did not report. I have 70 reporting. And that's that's the reason for the late flag. So I think it's a combination of all those things. A lot of times you can't hear the announcement in the stadium. 68 has the ball. Did he report? No, 70 reported. Okay, that's a foul now. I'm going to drop my flag. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask then, Brad Allen, is this a case of... God, I don't want to, I, I don't want to over-personalize this, right? But we watch players' careers get ended on black, bad plays or bad, bad decisions on the field and that kind of a thing. Brad Allen's inability to say that he made a mistake on this and kind of doubling down on that, does that call into question his ability? I know the league demoted him from out of the playoffs as a result of, of the game there, but what does this, for him and for his future, I mean, he's been in the league. He's been, what, 12 years as a referee in the NFL. What does this mean for him going forward? Well, I think, look, Brad Allen is a good referee. They, There's no, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. His crew has had a tough year. I mean, they had the Packers-Chiefs game a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they've yeah. had a tough year. This this situation is not, right? So so this isn't going to be the end of his career. This He'll continue um, as long as he continues to grade out well and, and, and meet the standard that you want to do it at home from now on <laughs> that is expected of NFL officials um, I don't believe that, that the Dan Skipper, there, there's no for him to because he's going to lie in an position import. Um, you know, I don't know. I do believe Brett Allen in the moment when in the pool report thought that he reported and something new for me. You know, I think is okay. We, we picked up most of that. We're going to we're going to go. I, I think basically what we heard is is as long as he keeps grading well enough, he's had a tough year. Um, he, his career continues, but we'll see what happens from from here on. Um, I this is the thing where um, I think about like so for one of the one of the yeah, I think about like what was kind of the damage you put your lawyer head on and i know this isn't a legal case but you're like okay so what was the damage right what 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 is genuinely what the damage was and there is genuine there the world of gambling you can't say right what that is so I'll, I'll leave that aside but there's the the case of millions of dollars for the city in revenue from a seed placement that's changed and that's that's a significant loss of revenue at the stadium for the city the hotels the whole thing and I, this is, uh, there's um, a, a guy on Reddit of all places. <laughs> uh, his name was Detroit Tel Kepnaya, I believe is how you say it. He said, you know, the DeMar Hamlin 
game last year that couldn't be finished set up a situation where they said, hey, if this certain playoff scenario happens, we're going to have it at a neutral site. We're going to play the game at a neutral site. This was egregious enough. And I'm and, and like the idea of the tripping call and all that stuff. That's the normal kind of we'll say oopsies stuff that seems to happen in games. This was an absolute procedural failure, right? This is different than that. And, and this is that's why it's, it's so uh, uh, such a big thing. What's the thought or the potential or the idea of a Detroit and Dallas meetup happening in a neutral location? Or are they also going to get awarded millions of dollars in, in revenue to have another playoff game against Detroit in their in their stadium as a result of a demoted referees? Terrible work. Yeah, you know, I don't think that that's that's not going to happen. I, I think, look, Demar Hamlin was such a unique situation. Um, they couldn't finish the game for, for good reason. I think this. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that happen in a football game. This, this was, like you said, it was procedural. It wasn't, uh, you know, an, an official missing a call in terms of holding or things like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't see a scenario where the league is going to say, hey, because of this, we're going we're gonna to play at a neutral site. I mean, there's, you know, every team can point to plays where they feel like an officiating decision impacted a game. And, uh, and that's part of it. I'm not, like I said, I'm not absolving. Um, Brett Allen or the crew in this situation, I do think there was an error made. I think they went too fast and, and it could have been, it could have been handled differently, but I think at this point, the result is final and, and we all have to move forward in, in, in what, whatever the seating is, it, it, that's what it is. It's fair. I I didn't expect anything, but I I certainly think it's something that the league should consider. I mean, they demoted the guy. I mean, they they know there's whether they admit it publicly or not. They know that this was a this was a disaster. This was this was an absolute failure. And they they with so much money at stake, both for the teams. And I know there's a revenue share and all that. But uh, for the communities that they're in, that's just that's really just uh, it's really, really a crappy deal. Last piece I want to, I'm going to ask on this and it's, it's not quite related, but it's about the officials and their role in um, kind of the, the structure of the rules in the NFL. It's the competition committee and the, the owners that vote on rule changes, right? That's, that's how they come about. Yeah. Yep. The owners of the league of the teams of the league voted that we were going to make pass interference reviewable. And for some reason, the refs decided, no, we're not going to do it. And at the end of the year, after they didn't overturn anything and they and everyone just knew they weren't going to do it, everyone just moved on and said, eh, OK, the refs are the ones that are telling us what the rules are. Um, why? How did how does that happen? And how does that not get addressed with with the refs? We lose you, Dean. Yeah, I'm back. I can oh. hear you now. Okay, I lost you. I lost you for a second. All right. Okay. So the the question was, the refs um, deciding on the on the year that pass interference was going to be reviewable that they just weren't going to overturn it ever, and they basically said to the owners, "I don't care what you voted on as far as the rules. We own this game," and everyone just accepted it and move on. I'm just wondering, how is how was that acceptable? How was that? Was there any conversation about that that you know of? Yeah. How did that happen that way? Because that seems like the the wrong people establishing the rules. You know, the cops are writing the laws and enforcing them. And that gets a little scary sometimes. 
you know, that was that 2019 was interesting because I think the the decision makers in New York who were involved in replay of the pass interference calls or non calls, they never could find a consistent standard. I whether that was whether that was intentional to say we're we're going to raise the bar so high that nothing's going to get overturned. And it did feel that way early in the season. There's no question it felt that way. Um, I I don't know. I don't know if that took place. I think as the season went on, the bar started to lower, but they never found a right. They just never found a consistent standard. And the competition committee and, and, and membership felt it wasn't worth it at that point. And, and I think that was, and the league came out, you know, that was failure. It was a complete and total failure, and the league can't repeat that. So, so it is. You need the, the competition committee to direct the officiating department, and the officiating department has to take that direction, and then communicate that to the on-field officials. That's the only way it works. Not the officiating department dictating what is and what isn't without competition committee direction, and you know. It does feel like sometimes that happens from time to time, but that that can't happen because um, we're not going to be in a good place. Yeah. Let me ask you, Dean, would you ever go back to your uh, VP of officiating role? I, you know, I love the NFL. I want the game to be in a good place. Um, Look, things weren't perfect when I was there, but I do feel like we, you know, there was probably better communication, especially to the public and to the media. That's important. Uh, I would consider it, but, uh, you know, that hasn't happened. So I'm, I'm happy where I am. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to create controversy there. I just, if they ever wanted to consult, I would say that the transparency that you brought to the XFL would be more than welcome in the NFL because they've created a perception um, well, that's it's a bad your, perception. That's exactly right. Imagine, imagine being able to listen to the crew on Saturday night and how they work through that. You might not agree with what took place, but I don't think there'd be any conspiracy theory. I think you'd understand, okay, here's what happened. Here's what they said. I don't agree. I think they messed up, but there's nothing nefarious going on. Right. And then and the and the the Brad Allen again. I don't want to personalize it, right? It's not he's not necessarily a. I don't know if he's a bad person. I don't know him, right? But I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge him a bad person because of of him messing up on his job. But him doubling down. If people can hear that conversation and see that, I have a feeling that his response is different in that press conference and um and how things moved from there. And it's better, I believe, for everybody if they can get that kind of transparency. Yeah, no doubt. I think the transparency is key because now, you know, we everybody has their own opinion and everybody can go and run with different theories. And it's got an alliance say this, the officials say that. And and we don't get to hear what actually happened. Brad messed up. <laughs> this is what, what it looks like. Happened. Long and short of it. <laughs> well, Dean, let me ask you, Dean. Oh, go did, did, I gotta ask: Did you ever have a situation where an official made an obvious mistake, and you had to make a decision whether to protect him or to make him go face the music? Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. You obviously did the job for a long time. Did you ever have that situation come up? 
No, yeah, it happened. It, it, it certainly happened. Look, the, the 20, the, the 2015 season, we had several, you know, high profile situations. Uh, we actually had to suspend an official because of a timing mistake. Um, you, you, it's such a, it's such a tough position to be in because you have these officials who are very good for the most part. They do a good job. It's just, it's a hard job and you, you want to hold them accountable, but you also need them to work going forward. You need them to, to continue to officiate. And if you just completely bury them, they're going to be lost to you and they're not going to be able, you know, they're not going to be able to perform to the, to the best of their ability the rest of the way. So you've got to kind of hold them accountable, but also pick them up when they need picking up, just like on a team and a coach and a, a player drops a pass. Um, you can't just bury them in the middle of the game because you know, you're going to need that player in the fourth quarter, you know, whatever it may be. So um, it's tough. And you try to deal with those situations because you're dealing with people and you're trying to get the best out of them. All right. Well, there you there you go. D. Blandino. I know in his official capacity, people have mixed feelings. I know on Twitter, people are not nice. Um, but I, I know Dean's a nice person. We spent a lot of time together, and uh, like I said, he's he's a good person. I I trust Dean and 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 what he believes and what he says. Um, uh, Brad Allen made a mistake, and he's just not owning it. And I think there's a lot of spin going on to try to try to fix it i like dean like i said i love what you've done with the xfl i like the idea that when you were there refs got suspended for a timing mistake you know this is the kind of thing that i would think somebody would get suspended for because this is a gigantic mistake and i know the nfl has the audio of the refs conversation uh they've got the 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 microphone in new york i imagine they have all of that um and i think they should they should probably I don't know about releasing it. I know. I, I mean, I, I would love if they did, but I don't. I, they won't. They just should do something. You know, there, there should be action. And for once, I don't know what it is anymore. What they can do, but uh, it's it's definitely frustrating to have this happen in Dallas again uh, with this this kind of stuff. Ugh. So, Dean. Yeah, thank- I, I definitely oh, had flashbacks for sure. <laughs> I definitely had flashbacks for. For sure. <laughs> was it the Twitter flag that gave you the flashbacks, or was it the play? <laughs> as the play, as, as the flag came out, I you know the flashbacks. One was a late flag pickup. This was a late flag throw, and uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, Dean. Love you, man. Thank you for uh, for joining us, especially in short notice. Appreciate you talking through this with us. Um, I, I feel like we've got to a really good place on 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 what happened, and I just don't know. And I know you're not the person to met out like what the, what's going to change or what's going to happen with the NFL here. But just kind of being able to bounce some of this stuff off is is always helpful. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. You got it, guys. All right. See you later, brother. Thank you, Dean. Drive safe. All right. Dean Blandino. I mean, it's unfortunate that he's forgotten about the uh, the suspended um, official. I do actually remember that now that yeah. he brought it up. So yeah, well, we talked about we've, we've talked to him a lot about these things. And when he talks about what they did and the evaluations that they ran while while he was there, um, he did a really, really good job comparatively. And I think he was look. He's a, it's a super political environment that he lives in. I think he was pretty good about saying, you know, when I put him on the spot about the job, um, 
he would absolutely do it. He thinks he could do better. I mean, that's, that's, that's without, without saying it, that's, that's what I think I heard. From yeah. Him. He's not really happy with I mean, what's he's, going he's on. He's a there. prideful guy. Like, and he, and he did do a very good job with the XFL, which is now the UFL, yeah. in a way. Um, and, the original UFL still owes me money. That was 13 years ago. I'm not, so, I don't think so I'm going to get that. So is that one website? Um, I, <laughs> they're still operating. They should be cutting checks. Um, I'll I'll say, um, much like I just I, I didn't tie this together before. This was not a setup, but it just kind of popped in my head. We talked about Jim Harbaugh's growth as a coach at such a late age in his life. Right, Dean's not that old. Mm-hmm. He was the VP of officiating. He's had time now to see other people do it, to evaluate his own performance, to do it with the XFL and. Mm-hmm. He may have a set of experiences now that could t- very much elevate his role in that. And the one thing that he did more than yeah. anybody before or since was the outreach to the teams and the public about what was going on. He gave, you know, there's a voice in it's not a, it's not it's rarely a comp, uh, a nice voice coming in to officials. Right. Nobody comes to the officials and says, you guys really reffed a great game today. Thank you so much for doing such a good. That never happens. Right. It's like so some folks know, but I we didn't have I didn't go to college right out of high school. I was a mechanic for a long time. Right. And I hated and I won't say who it was. The car maker. Well, I don't think they're around anymore. Chrysler. I hated them. Hated them. Hated them. They're there. They build crap. They're still around. And 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 my friend who worked there said, but dude, you work at a place that you only see broken ones. <laughs> like, of course they're crap, right? It's like, oh, oh yeah, it's it's that whole, <laughs> <that> whole world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's a you know, I, I do think there's something to like going away and getting a different perspective on the job that you did, and then going back into a similar job. But I, I think Jim Schwartz is a great example of that. I mean, he hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. But he went somewhere else, and then he was he was out on the street for you. Like he got to evaluate where he did it wrong by watching and stepping back a little bit. And now he's he's done a phenomenal job this year. And I think there's value in that. I'd like to say that would be true with Sean Payton, but he's gone the opposite direction. I don't think he's done a very good job at all. It doesn't work for everybody. But I there there's definitely like if I when I first got out of college with a history and climatology degree because there aren't jobs for that. I worked in a hotel. I managed a hotel, a high-end hotel in downtown Cleveland. And I'd like to think that I do a much better job at that now, now that I understand a lot more of what's going on, now that I have a little bit more life experience, now that I've stayed in hotels for, I mean, the year 2000, I spent, I spent 200 nights in a Holiday Inn that year. Uh, like I, I know what I know what good is, and I know what bad is, and I that's know like so how smart. to frame that better. And I didn't I didn't have that perspective when I was younger. Yeah, that's um, how you got so smart, right? I I wouldn't ever do that job again. But you know, if I had to, I'd good. like to think that I'd be much better at it now than I was then. Yeah, yeah. And look, look, look. High end hotel in Cleveland. It was so great that they would charge you by the hour, so you didn't get over overcharged for the amount of time you used the room. It was a really great place. Uh, I'm, I'm teasing. We didn't say the well, brand I have a name. Scar in the back but. of my hand from where I. So my one, my one fun story from there. Um, we had a person who you would recognize if you're of my age or Chris's age or a little bit older as somebody who was a celebrity for being a celebrity in that era. And that person checked into our hotel and we gave him a non-smoking room and he extinguished a cigarette on the back of my left hand as I tried to explain to him why he was done that. 
Yep. That's, uh, and I'd like to think that I would handle that situation differently now because uh, I, uh, I, I didn't handle it well. Yeah. Hey, Kula. Good to see you in the chat. Thanks for joining me. Um, yeah, that's uh, good times. We grow. We By the grow way, I, I, I know, Chris, I know you know this. And I, I said this as I, I hosted the X's and Bros this weekend. Once my kids are done playing high school sports, my daughter's a freshman right now. I'm going to officiate like that's that's going to yeah. be my job. I'm, I'm going to, by the way, I will be getting a pay rate, a fairly substantial pay bump doing it. If I, if I do it enough, like do weekend tournaments and stuff like that, I'll make a lot more money than I make right now. And I kind of looking forward to doing that. I won't take much more abuse than I take now in this job. So I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I have an appreciation for what the officials, I've done it before. I did high school football and high school basketball when I was in college and, and shortly thereafter, uh, before I traveled all the time when I couldn't commit to do anything. I, I, I don't think that refs are inherently evil or out to get anybody because I know too many good ones. There's that, one NBA and, ref that was crooked though. Oh, Tim Donahue was, was very crooked. Oh, it makes you think there's, I, more I read, it? I read his <laughs> book. I read his book and he's like proud that he was that way. Like, Dude, no. Yeah. By the way, just to, to your exes and bros thing, just want to give you a shout out. Even someone yeah. Riley's in the in the chat too, but I, I wanted to tell you, you did a really great job. You did a really good job on the exes and bros. Thank you. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm very grateful to Anthony Bellino for for tapping my shoulder to to fill in for him. It was it was Blandino, really cool. Blandino, uh, have we seen him I, in the same place at the same time? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I do have to say, it's very weird getting up at four o'clock in the morning and having to like prepare for work because. Mm-hmm. But it was fun, mm-hmm. um, and had, had good good guest interactions. Good people. Russ Russ Brown joined me for a day. By the way, oh, Russ has a yes. great story up on Lions Wire today about how the video that the NFL sent out trying to explain the oh. substitution thing unwittingly proved that Brad Allen fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He he said it nicer than I did. But that's the only that's the only conclusion that you can make from watching that video is that the Lions did everything right. As Dean said, they did nothing illegal. Brad Allen just screwed up. Let me ask you about this. And it's unfortunate that we can't get any recourse for that. Yeah. We want yeah. blood. Well, and and you we have Easy Does It says, man, we'll never know how this will truly affect the Lions, the butterfly effect. And that is absolutely yeah, true. true. But it could also affect the Lions very positively. And we, that goes to this whole concept of controlled theory. Oh, sorry about that. Dean. Uh, the whole idea of controlled theory or controlled fury. This is the opportunity for the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell to focus. You talk about teams surging at the end of the year. This may very well be that 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 push the the quake that causes the tsunami. I expect a lot out of this Detroit Lions team. Um, it, could, it could be one of those things where the Michael Jordan meme, and I took offense to that. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that can happen out of this, and that yeah. that would be that would be optimal. Yeah, <laughs> make that yeah. happen, please, Dan. So please. I want to ta- I want to talk about the one thing the 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 one thing that we haven't really talked about is, and and it happened on, with with Costa, who I know you're close with on uh, 97 yes. one, the criticism yes. of going for it on, on the two point play. I'm going to make, I'm going to make my, cause I think this is a strategic decision by a coach at that point. Right. And, and I think you there at some point there's the right, the thing that everybody does and it's kind of the way you approach things and uh, there's the statistical approach and that kind of thing. But, 
There's also things change a little bit. Like you go for it on fourth down in the playoffs a lot of times when you never would otherwise. Right. Um, and if you take the statistical approach, we never would have been in the situation we were had Dan Campbell not faked the punt inside the 30 again. <laughs> Nobody's talking about that, but holy cow, like <laughs> we'll move. We're just, we don't, we don't want to like, cause, cause we had a position when it went wrong. We don't want to be like, yeah, that was right, but it worked out really well. So we don't want it. Like we're in this, this weird trap, mental, right. mental, mental cave or this mental prison here on that one. But the decision to go for two points, I actually support this decision from Campbell, even when they were back, seven yards and the reason I, I say i support it is when you're back seven yards or eight yards whatever it was um you've actually got more field to work with it's actually a little bit easier because now you can spread things out yes. a little bit more i'm okay with with still going for it at that point um and god penny sewell just working mika parsons all day i loved that that was that gives me so much so much he, for he had a, a remake yeah but so this is a point where look if you lose that game you lose the second seed anyway, right? You're going to win this game. You're effectively in a playoff game playing for your seed position and everything's on the line. You haven't been able to stop CD lamb all day, 92 yard pass or not. You haven't been able to stop him and all they would need is a field goal to, to shut it down. There's no, you know, we watched the coin flip happen. We watched, um, um, uh, Allen not be able to to Josh Allen not be able to get on the field at all. We we've just seen all those scenarios where you put it into the basically uh, you know uh, the a leaf in the wind as far as what determines the outcome. Dan Campbell is a freaking man. Um, he is a absolute freaking unit. He knew it was in his hands and he trusted those guys to do it. And everybody did it correctly. The refs screwed him. Period. Time to go again. You got more field. He still trusts his people. He still focus your fury, control it and focus it and go get this. Right. And then they get Micah Parsons. Oops. And then they're on the three, which is weird because they should have been back on the two, but it's the stupid rules, right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Either way, uh, so that you know, whatever you're in, you're in that situation, and and it didn't work out. I support, I support it, I support it a hundred percent because you have control, you have trust in your guys. If you win in that situation, your guys, that is, you talk about the surge at the end of the season. You just beat Dallas in Dallas, and if you ever meet them again, they're at your house. They're at your house now, right? If you lose and you have to meet them again, and you're there. You've got rage. You've got rage, right? And now they've only made it even ragier, right? <laughs> I mean, they've even put a bigger chip on your shoulder here. I, I totally support the two-point piece. Uh, I know uh, Jim Costa doesn't. Riz, where do you fall on that? I don't disagree with anything you said, but I would have trusted my defense in that game because the defense had been playing very well. And if they can win that game for you, I think that's an emotional lift that you're not going to expect to get. And that unit playing with more confidence than it already is because they've been playing very well lately. I really like that going into the postseason. So on the penalty back, I would have kicked the extra point and trusted my defense to go get a win. I would want the ball first, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm not taking the wind in a dome. Mm -hmm. But I'm feeling pretty good that my defense can stand up there. Uh, because, again, other than the fluke play, that, that one fluke play, like they, they eliminated the run game. They largely eliminated a pretty good receiving tight end from the game. Like it was CD Lamb 
Yep. By and large, who was beating them. Mm-hmm. And if you can get, maybe you get a, maybe you get a strip sack. Maybe something. Maybe if he comes up with another interception, like that, I think that lift to me would mean more than scoring on a two point conversion. So I would have after the penalty. I would have kicked the extra point, but I don't fault Dan at all for going. Like I, I completely understand everything you said and, and everything that Dan said, by the way, yeah. um, I don't fault him for going for it. Um, and it, 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 at worst, it's a way to try your two point plays. Like you've got a lot of them. Let's see if they work. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't hate that. So I, I didn't, I didn't have like a strong, like, Oh my God, why are they, why, why are they going for it? So like, I, I wasn't like that at all. Um, but Personally, I would have preferred to kick the extra point, go to overtime, and see what your defense can do because they've been playing very well. And again, if you can get that uplift from your defense and give that unit that much more confidence, I like how that plays going into the postseason too. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Oh man. Let's see. Anything else about that game we need to talk about? It's it, 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 this is because we didn't do. It was a late game. It, I hated how late everything was that night. We didn't do a post game. That I didn't get my therapy this week, Chris. I needed it. I, and, I uh, after that game, I probably would have been a little bit. That that, that game. Um, so it was funny because we had planned. Um, uh, Tyler for uh, um, uh, Katie Drummond is the the Cowboys wearer. My Cowboys wearer, and we were both like, we're not going to have any audience after this game. Let's like shelve our stuff and save it till the morning. And we both were up till like three thirty writing. We're like, oh, that went out the window. Um, I would say I think we, we talked a little bit about before Dean came on um, my frustration with the offensive game plan because I thought it was stupid. I thought it was I, I thought it was overly Ben Johnsony, and I, I I actually wanted to see Dan like remember remember that number five guy he's going to the Pro Bowl let's let's run him a little bit yeah and they didn't or he's actually not going to the Pro Bowl. by the way breaking news on that um, the Lions have five Pro Bowlers. Um, this just got sent to me. Sam Laporta, Frank Ragnell, Panay Sewell, we'll Aiden see. Hutchinson, and on special teams, Jalen Reeves Maben. Um, I wonder if freaking great for that is so awesome. JR Maben, around. Baby. Oh yeah. man. That's yeah, my my uh, congrats, Jalen. My Lions Wire contributor, Andrew Harbaugh, uh, texted it to me. And uh, we had been chatting, like he was he we were going through because he's gonna write up like who made it. Like, don't forget about Jerem on special teams. And he's like, oh, yeah. And, like, I got that one right. So I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> Kittle and Laporta are the two tight ends. It. Think about it. Laporta and Kittle are the two tight ends. First team. Now, yeah. a lot of guys won't show because of this or that. But these are the ones. These are the real. I mean, and hey, oh, these are the real first team Pro Bowlers, we'll say. <laughs> yes. These guys, even dude. if they <sighs> don't play in it, will get the money for it. If, like if their contract incentives, I don't know if any of these guys have contract incentives. I probably should, mm-hmm. but I don't. They they will get that whether they play in the game, whether they want to take it off because, oh, um, gee, I hurt my finger or, hey, I'm playing in the Super Bowl, which would be a great excuse not to play. Uh, are they are they even playing the game this year? They're doing no, they're doing some weird like flag football. By the way, good uh, good for them. Yeah, they're doing flag football. They're doing like the the Pro Bowl games thing mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. which I I endorse that. I think that's good. Um, the game was unwatchable, so uh, good for them. Um, and I know I know Montgomery tweeted out that he's like the fourth or fifth alternate at run back. He might get up there. We'll see. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. the golf is an alternate. Of of about that ilk, um, you know. They're, they're, I think who else might get 
Anzalone is probably an alternate somewhere down in the linebacker room. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe Bobby Wagner is probably not because they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's it's a Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner are the t- two middle linebackers right now. It's going to be. It's. I mean, <laughs> that's interesting because Seahawks fans will tell you that Bobby Wagner has not played well this year. They still love him. They get the little popularity part of it, right? But man, Sam, Sam Laporta to get this vote as a rookie behind Kittle. That's that is like a stamp of freaking approval, man. And and then you got Rags and uh, and Panay in there. Panay, of course, right? Panay again. Panay earned it. He shut Parsons down. Panay Sewell is look. He's made a couple mistakes. What is this? this is a second year. It's the second year, right? Third year. Third year. Okay. God, he's a monster, man. I mean, he like every like he makes mistakes here and there. Everybody makes mistakes, right? I can't call out any of those mistakes though, as as like derailing his season. He not only out there on the field manhandles, just manhandles the person lined up across from him, but then he's also such a powerful leader. His voice in the locker room and amongst the players, not just with the line, right? The rest of the offense. Really powerful cat. That that's the kind of guy. Like I just have to look at, at, at Brad Holmes again and say, man, the future's freaking bright. This guy and the scouts and and Spielman and um, Agnew, all these and, and Disner, right for the for the longer term, the contract side. These guys are freaking brilliant. They know how to find talent, dude. This is. The future is yeah, really they, bright for Detroit. They did a good. They did a very good job in identifying Panay's football character, because I'll, I'll go back to that draft. Yep. I had him and Rayshon Slater. I had Slater. He was one spot above Panay in the overall. And and by the way, Rayshon Slater's been pretty good. I feel good about that evaluation. But Panay yep. has been a better NFL player, and a lot of that is due to the fact that he was so young, but he had that drive. And the Lions saw that, hey, we can work with this guy specifically. He is cut from our cloth. Rayshon might not be that guy. And I think they did a great job of, of picking the better player for them. Yeah. Um, by the way, the, the other player they were going to take was Jamar Chase. He's been pretty damn good, too. Um, remember, remember the whole thing? Cincinnati was picking at five, and the Lions were picking at seven. I think that's right. And, like, it was down to those two players for both teams. Like we knew that whoever the Bengals weren't going to take the lions were in fact going to take them. Uh, that, that proved to be true. So um, yep. it yeah. worked out pretty well for both teams. Quite yep. Frankly. It's yep. It's nice. Oh man. Um, Love that. He's still so freaking young. He's, I, just, I think he's, I don't think he's 23 yet. Three of the five lions pro bowlers are Brad Holmes picks. And then you have Ragno and germ. As a, as a special teamer, just again, such a such a testament to to our front office and our development of these guys. Just really, really great. I just and I look no, at the next team. For the- sorry, I look yeah, at the next ahead. team, and it just happens to be you know your family's team, Houston. And the one guy that makes it is my favorite draft pick ever, Gas Mask Bong Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> I'll never forget that when that broke. That was awesome. good. Yep. You know, you know, remember how guys wore those breathing, those oxygen depriver, I forget what they're called specifically, masks. That's what he worked out yeah. with, that bong out front, and he just rolled and look what he's turned into. What a what a player. Good stuff for him. And I actually I'm really happy for him to be able to turn that shitty deal that he got 
handed. Turn it around and make it the Pro Bowl. So congratulations. He, he's, he's, he's been great for them. But by the way, they're playing for the playoffs Saturday night. If they win, the three teams that I've covered for the wire, the Lions, the Browns, and the Texans will all be in the playoffs. That's never happened before. <laughs> That's going to be insane. Um, I can't wait to see the, the Lions play one of those two teams in the Super Bowl. Um, that would be yeah, my wildest dreams, quite frankly. <laughs> like, so, so I have to explain it because there's a lot of people. I am from Cleveland. I, I proudly am from Cleveland. And, and I do, how do I say it? I don't root for the Browns. I don't have an emotional attachment to that team. I like a lot of the players on the team. I know a lot of the players. I know some staffers on that team. I grew up with a couple of them. I want them to do well. But if the Lions and the Browns are playing, Go, go away, Lions all the way. Um, I will feel better that people that I love love that team and people that I know will get a win out of it. That will be better than if we, if the Lions were to lose to the Dolphins or the Ravens. or I think that's the only two teams that can win the AFC. Honestly, maybe <laughs> Buffalo. I don't know. Buffalo. Surgeon. Buffalo is self-destructive. They're they're good enough to beat everybody, but they're also good enough to beat themselves, and they do that a lot in the postseason. So, yep. yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. That, that's a happy problem for me to want to have to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it would be no question that would be for the Lions, no, no question at all. And I would go, and I don't like to go to games. Yeah. <laughs> um okay we 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 let's let's move let's move forward this is okay we got the we we, we got the breaking news on the on the um on the on the pro bowl Oof. congratulations brad holmes congratulations to you players you folks you just you just rocked it great great job on 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 that for, from you guys the dallas game i think we've touched on it everything now don't worry about dallas who won who didn't their fans and their stuff just tell them that didn't catch it and then go and take it and, and push anything to the NFL and, and humiliation and mockery is always the best tool. It really, really is. So use that, get what you want out of them. Try to force them to address what, what they've done. We'll get to the next piece here, playoff implications and seating. Um, we're going to beat the Rams. Can't wait. Thank you. Easy. Does it for putting that in the, uh, in the chat for me. I'm going to use that to tee up Riz. Riz, let's talk about playoff seating right now. Let's do that. So we are the number three seed unless Philadelphia and Dallas both lose and we win. It's, it's improbable, but plausible that that happens. Uh, one of them is playing Washington. One of them is playing at the Giants. The Giants, by the way, had the Rams beaten, except they botched their own two-point conversion where Saquon Barkley, all he has to do is catch the ball and turn around, but the throw is like way the hell behind him. They had that game won, um, and then we wouldn't have to worry about the Rams at all. So if you're the two seed, then you would play the seven seed. Right now, it looks like we're going to be the three seed. Let's just go on that. So if the Rams beat the 49ers, they are the six seed. If the Rams lose to the 49ers and the Bears beat the Packers, we would still be playing the Rams. If the Packers beat the Bears and the Rams lose to the 49ers, we'll be playing the Packers as the number six seed. Now, it came out today. Every Rams player you've heard of is not going to play this week. Stafford's out. Donald's out. 
Uh, I think Puka Nakua, they're going to let him get his record, and and then he's going to sit. Like they're 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 they are trying not to win, which means that it's yeah. unlikely they're going to beat the best team in the NFC. That well, record wise, in San Francisco. In so, San Francisco. <laughs> in San Francisco. So now now San Francisco also is going to rest people, but not a lot because they are believers like I am that you don't want to have that much time off. Um, I was one of those people, as you remember, because I want I didn't want the one seed, I wanted the two seed. Uh, because I don't want the buy. I want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. And because I think there's very real value in still playing rather than having that rust go off. And you cannot take two weeks off. So they'll, they'll be playing some people. They'll rest injured guys. If the Bears beat the Packers, you still get the Rams. But I don't know if they can do that. Now, the Bears, Bears have been playing good football lately. Give yeah. them credit. Their defense, since they picked up Montez Sweat, Tip of the hat to the Bears, man. They won five of seven. Good for them. They've been playing better football. They really have. Their offensive line is playing better, too. That deserves some credit. I don't know if they can beat Green Bay. Especially a year after Green Bay had the same situation they do now, and they blew it to Detroit. Well, Detroit Detroit went in and beat them. there was that was that wasn't a Green Bay that was a Detroit win more than it was a Green Bay loss. Hundred percent. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And yeah. it, by the way, if that does happen, then there's a chance that we would be playing Chicago or the if Atlanta and I'm trying to remember that because I wrote this out. If Atlanta and Tampa Bay both win. The one that doesn't win the South would be coming to Detroit. And I think it's Atlanta. <laughs> like, there's still like a weird path for them to get at. That might not be exactly, I mean, New Orleans factors in there somehow, too. Um, I don't have it all in front of me. But it's very, very likely that we would be playing the Green Bay Packers um, or the Rams. Chris, who do you want to play? Which, team, which, which, which would you rather have come to Detroit? That's what I got to ask. I this I, I I feel dirty as hell, <laughs> but I have to I have to I, you have to make a choice when the Bears and the Rams are playing or the Bears and the Packers are playing. Playing. I mean, you could say oh, I hope they tie, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what would happen with that. Either. I know I know I haven't thought of it either. But anyway, <laughs> I would rather play the Rams. I know the NFL wants us to play the Rams. I want to beat Matthew Stafford. I want him to lose a playoff game in Ford Fields, and I want it to be the playoff game that we win and and just slap the curse right out of the 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 the, the world, right right out of the stadium, right out of the city. Um, that would exercise some demons right there <laughs> for Jared Goff, for the Detroit Lions. I mean, and and it would it would I mean think about it because I'm not sure that Matthew Stafford plays next year. I, I, I'm I'm not sure that he he will come back and play. For him to end on that is probably enough for him to go into the Hall of Fame as a lion. <laughs> but but I I oh think that <laughs> sorry um, I, I add silly to it. I, it is what it is. I think that the Detroit Lions match up better against the Rams than they do the Packers. And I'm a unfortunately I'm not going to say a Bears fan. But my FT is lowercase on the B, but still uppercase on the P in that game this week, if that makes sense. The Packers, uh, I hate to say good things about the Packers, but Jordan Love's been playing pretty good football lately. 
And yeah. if now I will say, I think Ben Johnson can beat Joe Barry, like in a coordinator duel. Yeah. That I like that, but the Rams again, they almost lost to the Giants. Like, and there's they, they cut their kicker this week. Like they're their special teams have been rotten mm-hmm. all year. Mm-hmm. Like they, if the Rams brought their A game, they could could win. I don't think if they don't have their A game that they're beating the Lions. Yeah, like no matter how the Lions play, I know that I know the Rams have been playing better football lately too. But I I would much rather play them than the Packers from a matchup standpoint, from an X's and O's standpoint taking my media hat off because the stories freaking rate themselves with Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff that week. Like, yeah. I'm going to say that that wouldn't be fun. But from a football, like, Lions advancing standpoint, I want the Rams. Yeah. I think that's a much easier path. I would really like another team, but I don't think we're going to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota does technically have a path if they win and like three other things happen. Yeah. yeah. So none of those things are going to happen more, more likely than them. The Lions got stuffed again by the NFL by making their game at one o'clock. So the idea of seeing the other results and being able to sit your players is not on the table. Right. So let's put the Lions at risk again because we're the NFL and we suck. Um, This is an interesting kind of concept. Um, Coming out of, I, I, you know, look, I know Campbell is not a big believer in rest. They'll rest in the off season is kind of his mindset. That being said, I think guys nursing some stuff probably wouldn't see much play or otherwise, but I also believe that coming out of what happened in Dallas, that everybody wants to play. And I think the coaches want to get the focus out of this team in this game at home against Minnesota, the focus from the crowd at home. And they want to put a stamp on the Minnesota Vikings and this season heading into the playoffs. The Vikings have nothing to play for. Draft position is literally all they have to play for at this point. Um, That just bodes well for us. I think if we sit our people, it's because we're up by 28, 24 points and we're now like, OK, now we can coast and do that. I don't think the Lions are going to sit at the beginning. And I think that's even more of that message that we stomped the shit out of them so hard. I mean, Sheila came out with a heel uh, American History X style and curve stomped the, the the Minnesota Vikings and maybe good deal. And uh, we're sitting our players now. Right. That's that's the perfect story to go into the playoffs for this team. I'm looking up to see the injury report from today. Um, it happened. It came out while I was out and about. So Taylor Decker didn't practice today. Brock Wright and Jameis Williams, none of them practiced. It's Wednesday, so it's early. But if those guys aren't full practice tomorrow, I don't think you're going to see them. Yeah. yeah. At that point, no left tackle against a Minnesota pass rush that's pretty good. Like, do you sit golf? Do you do you let him play a half maybe, and then let Teddy mop up? And I I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know what the Lions would do in that situation because I I don't. Um, I would personally. Um, I would I I would actually love to see Hooker. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that, but I think they would be more likely to play Bridgewater uh, just because it's his last game it's against a team that, that you know gave him his shot, and he's he's a great guy. Like yeah. you kind of want to see him get that. Yeah. I get that. Um, so 
the limited practices today were Houston and McNeil. They're both still on IR. They're going to get activated. Well, actually, Dan said James Houston is not playing this week, and believe him on that. Aleem should be back. I'm not sure how much he's going to play. Laporta was also limited. I have to think if he's still limited tomorrow and into Friday that they're not going to play him. Like anybody who's questionable for this game or would be listed as questionable, they're going to, they're not going to play. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I think Dan gets that. Uh, you know, CJ Gardner Johnson was full practice today. He, he will probably be activated. Um, if you're watching this on Thursday morning, he might be active by the time you're watching this. And uh, Ragnar got his typical day off, and Sutton was back um, full practice with his toe. There, I actually did some newsy stuff today. How about newsy. that? Look um, at you, Charles. By the way, Cam Sutton looked awful the other night. And I, CD Lamb's a bad matchup for him to begin with because C, Cam's good with like straight line receivers. CD flows, man. He's, he's a really good player. He's a good, good player. And I think. I think we might have underestimated collectively as a Lions fan base how good that guy is. I think we overestimated. We as a quarterback. I think I, I think we've overestimated. Look, I love Cam Sutton and what he's brought to the team. I don't know. Like we, I, I, I've seen people come to the. They all focus on Jerry for so long, and, I, and I'm, even Jerry will tell you he wasn't playing his best ball. Right? I, it's, that's the way it is. No, he was not. <laughs> but. He wasn't graded much lower. I think he was 57 and Sutton was a 58. And and people are now I saying, I don't know that we have a number one cornerback, and, which is, is the thing. Either Jerry or Cam would it would be great if you had. Of course, I'm going to use an, an obvious name. So they please don't it. forget. Like I saw Gardner, right? <laughs> Boom, done, locked up, right? They, <laughs> I, I, obvious name, but they need an obvious number one. And then either one of those guys would be absolutely fine. And I, I will say this, and, and some people have finally started to come around and agree with me on this. Not that you have to, but you should, because I think I'm right on this. If Aaron Glenn is back as the defensive coordinator, outside corner is so far and away the number one need on this team. It blows away every other position by a hell of a lot. Edge, defensive tackle, offensive guard, even if they only re-sign one of the three guys like Aaron Glenn's defense does not work, period, without a legitimate number one outside corner. Right now, everybody is playing one spot too high on the depth chart. That includes Kendall Vildor, Khalil Dorsey, Jerry Jacobs, Cam Sutton. If you can get a guy at the top, whether it's a free agent or a draft need, a draft pick, I'm not sure that guy's in this draft, by the way, you go do that, especially if they're picking 31, 32. Like, I don't think they're going to get that guy. Maybe, maybe they will, but you can scheme a pass rush to some extent, and they've done a pretty good job at that. They're in the top 10 in both pressure rate and sack rate over the last month. Like, I think they're, yeah. I think Aaron Glenn's awakening, like we talked about earlier in the show, you, can, you cannot scheme away guys that can't cover. Like, yep. there's only so much zone you can play. There's only so deep you can drop your safeties before it's an absolute detriment to other parts of your team. You've got to have that guy, and they don't have it right now. Cam is good enough against some teams, mm-hmm. but teams that have that alpha dog receiver like that, and that's just not who he is. Um, and by the way, he's not being paid that way either. He's being paid as like a – a 1B type corner, like mm-hmm. a guy who's like 
good enough that he can play number one against a lot of teams, but also DJ Moore gave him a lot of trouble. Uh, DJ Moore's a really good receiver. C.D. Lamb, really good receiver, gave him a lot of trouble. There's that. Those guys, he just doesn't match up well. We, as a team, collectively don't match up well. So that is, there's my offseason draft slash free agency minute. Can I Give me a number one corner, especially if Aaron Glenn is back. Now, if Aaron Glenn is gone, the defense changes. It mm-hmm. might you might value that that second edge more. But let me, maybe let me, James Houston comes back in the playoffs and shows us that he can be that guy. Let me. I want to. I don't know that. I'm just after watching so much of Doctor Liao's stuff. I'm not sure that James is going to be able to show everything this year, right? And so, so that's going to still be a question mark. I want to ask you on the top of your head. If so, let me just start here. The top two needs right now, with without any uh, without any discussion of what's going on with who's going where on the team, if who's being signed, who's not. I kind of feel like edge, like a edge and and corner are our top two needs. Would you agree with that? Because before I make my I premise, I offen- offensive guard is a bigger need than edge. Okay, 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 that's fair. Because so guard, guard is we, but, we well, know. So let me let me let me. We know so, Big V won't be back. You can get a good um, guard in the second and third, though. So let me let me let me let me. I'm, I'm thininking of like with number. Th- let me just. I want to say. Th- let me get to the premise because this is why it'll it'll help kind of explain what I'm thinking of, right? You get your pick thirty two, and you can make a free agent signing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to spend pick thirty two on a corner. Reason being, it usually takes three years for a corner to realize what they can be, and we really kind of want production now. If we yeah. say a pass yeah. rusher, you could really get a juicy pass rusher at thirty-two, the guy that you want opposite opposite Hutchinson that could really create that that game wrecking line. Braylon Trice would be very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so then my question is: is at corner, are there going to be any free agents that we are people that are coming up as potential free agents that we could sign to be that number one guy right now? Holmes spends the money on one guy signs. Say we can get CJGJ and some other guys on a, on a decent deal, right? Because we've got some money to spend this year. Is there anybody that, that potentially could come do for us in the NFL to be that number one corner? Jalen Johnson is certainly one. Um, and they, you get the added benefit of that you're hurting Chicago doing that. There are a lot of guys. I don't have the free agent list in front of me again, but the um, like I'll, I'll go to the Cleveland Browns as an example, just because I know that team very well. They have three number one B corners on that team, and they can't really pay them all. So Martin Emerson's going to be back, but maybe maybe Denzel Ward shakes free. Now he's got some injury issues, but there are. There are going to be guys that might not be like the most recognizable names, but who will come in. And you know, you know, remember this summer, like people were like all juiced about getting Emmanuel Mosley, even coming off of an injury. Like, oh yeah, he's our number one. Like, there yeah. will be those guys who are healthy who will be out there. Not a lot of them, but enough that the Lions will be able to get one if they really want that. Yeah, Johnson would be my number one pick because he's. He's perfect for what Aaron Glenn wants. Again, if Aaron Glenn goes and gets a head coaching job somewhere else, and he might, then that might change because you got to see who's going to be running the defense, whether it's in-house or somebody that they bring in from the outside. And I, 
I used to think that I knew the answer to that question, but I've been told by people that I thought were part of the answer that they're not the answer. So I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta, gotta humble yourself sometimes. <laughs> I, I really thought it was going to be one specific person if they stayed in house. And uh, that person has told me that that probably not in the cards. So mm-hmm. there you go. All right. So yeah. it's, it's funny. It's just funny this year how we haven't touched on the draft or free agency or anything really yet because of how well the team's doing. And we're going to go right to this, to the senior bowl and be, and be elbows deep in it. I mean, I've already started with a lot of my, my prep stuff this week because it's my last week of vacation before I have to go back. And then it's only what, two weeks, three weeks and boof, we're gone. And we're, we're, we're in no mobile. Yeah. We're playing (laughs) like the 31st or something like that. Isn't it 30th, 31st of January. And there's 31 days in January. And it's potential that we have to change the flight. Right. Because if we wind up playing a playoff game, I'm just going to go there early. I think that's how I'm going to do it. I would. I would as well. So we, we are both doing we're flying on the same flight. Sun, it's Sunday morning right, that we're yep. flying in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, it would be OK to be able to watch that game in Mobile with uh, with some light. We're on the same plane into Mobile. You and I. Yes. <laughs> we can hold hands. And cheers, drinks. Uh, Flounderish's big announcement. That, the last time I was on that flight, I sat next to Tom Dimitrov and behind uh, Brad Childress, who was the head coach of the Vikings at the time. Yeah. That's the last time I flew in the Mobile. I was, as you know, Chris, I fly to New Orleans and drive. Um, I'm not doing that this year. Let's let's see, because I'll get you into. We'll go to the Sky Club. That's where we met um, Dan. Uh, the time Mike, Dan. Mike Tomlin there too. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Um, Oh God, what was his name? <laughs> he didn't want to be Will- met. Willis. But we met him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Bellinger. I mean, all those guys we met on that flight. Derek right. Caldwell's been on that flight. It's crazy. People, people don't get like how big a deal the senior bowl. Like you get to go and hang out with. Oh, I wish the light was still going. The Illuminati of the NFL. You'll never be that close ever. I mean, being six feet away from Mike Vrabel's head being completely above everybody else's head in the entire crowd of coaches and scouts and GMs and everything. It was crazy just to see how much of a monster he is, man. Love senior bowl. Love it. Okay. Let's get into it. Uh, but quick floundericious St. Jude season of giving. If someone donates even $25, Flounder will quadruple that money. DL, uh, sorry, stjude.org slash DLP. Give $25. Uh, Flounder will quadruple that and immediately donate 100. stjude.org slash DLP. Let's keep going. Flounder's absolute. That's awesome. Unit. I, I love how dedicated Flounder is on that. That's, that's good for yeah. you, man. That's yeah, good. He's, he's a great person. Real good. Really good person. All right. Bruce Irvin and Isaiah Bugs departure have been waived. What a rude and horrible thing for the Detroit Lions to do, Jeff Riston. We've now sunk any chance we have in the playoffs. I'll leave it to you. I see you've been on Reddit. Apparently. <laughs> um, let's say that out loud. I, so there was actually some smart things oh, on Reddit. Just so, just so you know, good. I I, I, good. I saw a I couple. So. I was I, really I was impressed. So. Any username will do. Was uh was a really good one. I'm not even mad about the call. I, but anyway, uh, go ahead. I used to go there a lot. It's been, it's been a while since I've been there, so I probably shouldn't talk shit about it. Yeah. Um. So Dan said this about bugs. Yeah, I mean, look, those things there, when those things happen, nothing about it is easy, but it's just, it was the best thing for us and for him, so I wish him the best of luck. 
I'm going to interpret Dan there as we are not going to miss him at all. <laughs> and he knew that we weren't going to miss him at all. And he didn't want to be here any more than we wanted him to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell me if I'm wrong on that, but I don't think I am. No, I don't. I haven't heard anything contrary. <laughs> so. All right. The Bruce Irvin one, because this, I understood why you got rid of bugs because Aleem is coming back. And when, when Aleem was healthy, bugs did not play. So, okay. You get rid of that bugs. Bugs was okay. Like he did, he did his thing. He is not cut from the same cloth as this regime. It's probably the easiest way to explain it. And he knew it and they knew it. And they knew that they were never going to find anybody who could sew that together real clean. That's as much detail as I want to go into it. Very well said. Bruce Bruce. Irvin was different because I think, I think Bruce Irvin did bring some value as a veteran, but then this is, this is what Dan said about Bruce today. I'm going to read this. Um, I won't read it in Dan Campbell Texanese either. Yeah. Yeah. And that one's tough too, man. Bruce, what a pro. I mean, he is. He's a blessing to us to have him around here. I mean, he just brings a whole different perspective. I mean, he's as professional as you get. I mean, just the way he goes about his business, everything about him. And we talked last week, talked again yesterday, had a long talk. And so just at this moment, it just totally couldn't couldn't totally commit. And he's got stuff going on, too. And so it's hard. I mean, it's just one of those. At this point, it just wasn't going to work out. But he's an absolute stud. He sure is. That tells me that Bruce wanted out. So I'm going to read that. Yeah. And that the Lions were not the catalyst for his departure. Thank you. Yeah, again, you can tell me if I'm wrong on that. Yep. Yep. I don't think I am. <laughs> I have pretty good information that I'm not wrong on that. But I, I, I will stand to be corrected if I need to be. <laughs> <laughs> I No, I think Dan... This, Dan shoots very straight on these things. Yeah. You, you have to learn to read spread. a little between his lines, but he gives you the information, and especially in the tone that he says it in. And if you watch the press conference today, and I encourage you to go watch it, it's on their YouTube page. It's pretty clear that that he is not missing Bugs um, and wasn't upset that Bugs had to go away. But Bruce, like he would have, if Bruce wanted to stay, Bruce could have stayed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How I would read how Dan said it, and I, yeah, no, that that's I, my my brain was racing when you were reading the the urban quote from from Dan, and I I I went down a mental rabbit hole. But look, we saw Bugs not playing, Bugs being a healthy scratch. We saw it this year. We know what we have, and look, he helped out where he could, and did what he could, but it wound up just not be in the right. He played well against Dallas. He played well against Minnesota. So give him credit for that. Yeah. It just wasn't the right kind of fit for the team. Right. And that's just a different mind. They're different minds. It doesn't mean he's a bad player, but a bad person or anything like that. Right. But Dan, like you said, you can, he, he tells you things even without saying those things. And we saw that when he was, um, you know, in the difference between how he, he spoke about these guys. Now the thing I just, I just want to go because the, the quote you just read, are you familiar with Shane Gillis? And, and I don't want to make this political. No. He does an impersonation no. that's freaking hilarious. And and I just, I'll, I'll tell you about it after. I'm sorry. It's, this hit me. Okay. Well, you'll laugh your ass off. It's, 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 it's fantastic because I want to hear it read in that, in that impersonation, because I think with the right cadence, <laughs> it's going to sound just like him. 
<laughs> oh man all right so bruce Irvin gone likely under a slightly different uh, uh situation than bugs thank you both bugs and bruce Irvin, for your contributions throughout the season you guys were great and uh really really appreciate um what what you what you guys did while you were here unfortunately you know it's at a point where we depart for whatever reasons and hopefully you know wish you the very very best unless you join an opponent and then i wish you not the very worst, but a healthy scratch. I don't, I don't <laughs> think Bugs is signing anywhere. Yeah. He he, he might. I, I kind of don't see him doing that. Um Bruce, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what Dan was referring to with Bruce going on on the outside. Uh but one thing he was like they weren't they, it was pretty clear they were never going to sign him to the active roster, especially with Houston potentially coming back not this week but in the postseason. But in the postseason, you can elevate anybody off the practice squad. You can do up to two each game as many times as you want. So he he could have stayed. It didn't work out. I want to just yeah. sorry while that was going on too. The other thing that had me going down a little mental hole was the Mike Hodges, uh, Kula. Don H all dropped 25 bucks. Flounder matched the hundred bucks for hey. St. Jude, but boom, but a boom, but a bing. And uh, now Flounder is going to match Don That's H and Kula as well. Thank you, Flounder. Thank you all very much for, for donating uh, to the St. Jude. Pretty, really, really appreciate you all. And uh, for your support of this really great cause. Um, Definitely. Thank you. We've got stuff coming up here. Um, another 125 from Flounder. Thank you, sir. Um, in in April, we're working out the potential to do a trip to St. Jude to work with them for a week. But sure. more more on that, more on that coming up soon. So, all right. Um, next topic: a look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Riz, I'm just gonna like I said. Well, first off, let's just start. Let's just start with the place we have to start. We're not getting Brad Allen. We're not getting Carl Sheffers. Right. We're not getting Cleve right. Lakeman. <laughs> We're getting Brad Rogers. And before you get worried, Rogers is not spelled like Aaron Rogers. It's spelled like Justin Rogers. So I think we're in good. Yeah, he's just a G. (laughs) Yeah, he's a G. All right. Justin's a G. Uh, (laughs) um, I think that's probably the best news ever because a lot of people just will say either he's a good ref or I don't know him. (laughs) <laughs> which is exactly the kind of room. I don't want to know my officials names like, to be honest. With I, you. <laughs> I can like, I have a mental picture of him. I can see who he is. I'd be honest with you. I don't have an opinion of his officiating. <laughs> we'll have to look that up. Yeah, no, it's uh he's been seven years as a ref. I know that. So we're there. We're there. Um, good news. Good news on the ref front. So here we are facing the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. We know we won. We'll start there. Yes. We know that Nick Mullins is back at quarterback. Um, the Jaron Hall experiment didn't even last another game. Nick Mullins threw for 400 yards. He also threw four interceptions, and that's sort of the you get with him. He will attack down the field. We saw that. He will also make a lot of mistakes. We saw that. I expect the same thing in week 18. We're in 18. And... Uh, I wonder, this is my wonder. I know that Dan will have the guys ready and that the guys who play will put, like, if you take Taylor Decker out, if you take JMO out, if you take Sam Laporta out, if you, like, if you fall behind 10 nothing, are you really going to try to come back in this game? Like, that's, that's my wonder. 
I, I, th- I don't think Dan will coach any differently, but I wonder if the players are like, you know what? There's bigger things at stake here. Let me, let me save it for now. Maybe Ben Johnson gets buttoned up because he wants to do things to the Rams or the Packers. I want to show his hand. And maybe it's a very vanilla game plan this week. And because of that, the, the, like these are things that we, we don't know how that's going to play out. So are the Lions a better football team than the, than the Minnesota Vikings? Hell yeah, they are by quite a bit. But that doesn't mean that they're going to win because there are different circumstances at play here, different variables that we've never, as Lions fans, experienced before. Chris, I don't remember the last time that we clinched before two weeks left to play. I, I, I honestly don't know if that's ever happened in my lifetime. Yeah. I'm in my 50s. Like, I don't know, and I don't know how the team will handle that. And that's the only variable that would tell me that the Lions don't go out and, you know, rip off their necks and shit down their throats because they have the potential to do that. But and every motivator. It wouldn't, that. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if that doesn't happen for, again, for whatever reason. Um, uh, yeah. Like, so I, I had to write the USA Today, you know, the, the blurb that you read and that you only ever buy at the airport, you read by the USA Today. I had to write the blurb for this game. And I'm like, the Lions will win if they want to win, but I don't know how much they really want to win. And uh, kind of stand on that. Like that's interesting. That is interesting. I I don't. Maybe, I'm not disagreeing with you. Back. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm going to be know, semantical. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, it's more about like, does Ben Johnson get conservative? Does AG like sit in the shell instead of sending Iffy a lot yeah, and blitzing yep. Anzalone? Yep. Those types of things. Do they alter the way that they play football? Because if that happens. Minnesota's a good enough team to beat them. Mm-hmm. We saw that potential and, almost in in right, US right. Bank's and I, I, I And I, that's that. So that makes calling this game very, or predicting this game very difficult because the Lions are in such a circumstance where we've never seen them before. We don't have a tracker to build on, and I don't know how that's going to go. That's here's, where I'm at. Here's here's my thought, and I think. I'm, like I said, I'm going to be semantic and, and pick if they want to win the win because I think they want to win. But are what's the risk tolerance yeah, to fair. get the win? What's the risk tolerance to right. to win? Right, and that's I think really where you said where, that better than I did. Thank you. Maybe I should be a writer. No, I shouldn't be a writer. I, I'm a talker. I'm not a writer. <laughs> I can't. My fingers don't do what my my mouth. Uh, stop. Stop. Because <laughs> I would have had to capture that and play that. Over and over and over. I'll give myself a these nuts. There you go. That's what I get for that. <laughs> oh my god! I stopped myself for this. I stopped myself. Anyway, <laughs> oh. <Ooh>. Anyway. <laughs> that was unfortunate. Um. Anyway. Their tolerance for risk. I think that this, this, God dang it, man. <laughs> I think this situation is one where um, Brad and team has a half worth of risk tolerance in them and they want to go all in because, like that two point conversion, there's so much to gain from winning with that. And not as much to lose. Like you can actually gain from losing by going for that two point conversion in that game, you know, and if the ref doesn't get yes. and all that kind of stuff, yes. I think winning this game has everything to win for fans 
right? If you walk out after that, what happened in Dallas, you walk into Detroit and you spank the Vikings. Then you have your playoff game, your first playoff game ever. Fans will be at a fever pitch. They, they likely will be anyway, but it's a, you know how, how, how Lions fans are after a loss. You know, there's, there's trust issues and there will be, and there should be because it's been a long time, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's earned, but to go in to get the players right after what happened in Dallas, to get the fans right what happened after Dallas and to surge into the playoffs. That is Dan Campbell style. That is what he wants. If things are tight after the half, I'm not sure he's willing to risk it at that point. And I think that's the conversation. If we're blowing him out at the half, I'm, I think he'll be happy to sit. Look, this is another one. Teddy Bridgewater. I love the idea of Teddy Bridgewater getting out there and playing and getting reps and, and kind of sticking it on Minnesota who drafted him and getting that whole end of his career before his retirement thing. I just love that. But I really, for the team and the future of the team, think it's a smarter, better move to get Hendon Hooker out there and throw some balls around and just work with the offense a little bit in live fire snaps. I just really, really think that that's going to be it's going to be the thing. So, um, that's that's kind of where it's like it's it's the risk tolerance that Dan's willing to have, and the fact that he did that fake punt inside the thirty again after the fail, like the shit that he took last time when it failed, the fact that he did that in Dallas away again and had the sack to do that. I I just don't think he's not putting his foot on the gas in this game. I think that I, he's I, going at it. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think you're again your way of saying it is better than mine was, and I I appreciate that. That's cool. <sighs> Thank you, man. Because I'm really good. <laughs> oh man, I, I can't believe I just said that. Um, it happens. Oh Mellow props are everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a the English language is such a minefield. Um, all right, really quick as we as we talk through this, I uh, want to talk about what things look like as far as um, the lineups and the matchups, and then we'll uh, we'll get through this really quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Defensive line is is other than Daniel Hunter and the linebackers, um, you know, Bullard, Carter, Jones, nothing spectacular there, right? Nothing spectacular there. Um, they they've they're got solid. They're not bad. Um, nope. the dude, um, and I can't think of his name. He destroyed us the last game. Um, that was Jonah's really really bad game, and I can't um, think of his name. He's got hair. Um, yeah. I can see him. He wears number 90. It's killing me. 90? 90, maybe? Yeah. Was it 90? Um, Jonathan Bullard? No. Um, he also did well. He, and again, he's not a bad. There's Floyd Gator for you. Um, I, mean, I got to look it up now. It's killing me that I can't think of this. I, not Pat The sleep schedule. Yes. It's him. Ooh. Yes, Patrick Jones, um, who was like, he was like their least, least highly graded player from PFF, and he lit us up. I, I worry that might happen again. Mm, interesting. Uh, I, he had a very good game. It's one of those deals like, you know how there's like an I've apparently frozen. There you are. You're back. You're back. You are. I can hear you clear as bell now, buddy. Sorry, we we lost you for about a minute there. All right. That's right. Pat Pat Jones 
the random guy who goes off with a huge game. It happens just about every game to both teams. Um, he was that guy last time. Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Uh, Kula. Let's see. Blau can be in too. My hubby calls him Hooker and Blau. It's <laughs> 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 good stuff. All right. Um, so yeah, their 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 secondary is is pretty strong. Bynum Smith, Pace, uh Hicks. Bynum's a good player. Yeah. Really yeah. good player. From the interior line, I really was high on Dalton Reisner out of the senior bowl. You remember? I, I really liked him. I do. Um Mid-tier, the whole inner line. Their their two tackles look great, but the interior line is not graded very well. Yeah. Um, which is Garrett Bradbury is a guy who um, he, much like Jonah Jackson in the last meeting, he's a generally a pretty good player who had a really really bad day. I expect him to be better this time. Um, Brian O'Neill, by the way, the right tackle was injured the last game. He was at half, not even half speed. And Hutch gave him the business. I want to say Hutch had eight QB pressures in that game. Um, so that's that's a matchup to watch because that's, you know, Hutch is pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there's some people out there that don't like to acknowledge it. He's a pretty good football player, folks. <laughs> he really is. Um, hey there, fun football podcast. Packers fan checking out the show. Nice to have you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for not being a jerk. Yeah, thank you. It's 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 uh, We welcome everybody. It's not a jerk. We do. <laughs> All right. And then, of course, from the the, the, the Lions side, uh, Kaminsky and Pascal, uh, we've talked about them maybe being underreported on their qualities line, but we, our, our line looks strong. Um, even Barnes and Anzalone look pretty good. Uh, Kirby's rated pretty low. We'll see JGJ step in for Kirby. Interesting. Interesting uh, yeah, potential. Kirby, Kirby's issue is, is that he's – like so, if you're a PFF when they grade, if you don't do anything good or bad, you gen- you tend to get a fairly decent grade. Kirby like makes good plays and bad plays. You, you you don't get a lot of like nothing plays from Kirby. Like he's either winning yeah. or losing. He doesn't have like a lot of draws, and PFF tends to not look at those players very kindly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I will say I thought Kirby played very well against Dallas. All things being equal. Yeah, uh, he had a couple of bad plays in that game. I thought after C.D. Lamb went off early, I thought he did a much better job in helping whoever was guarding C.D. Lamb. Um, obviously, it wasn't good enough, but I thought he did a pretty good job. And I just he did a very good job at stopping uh, Jake Ferguson. They're they're very good tight end. And just to give context to some of the other things I've been talking about, uh, Vildor is rated by PFF about ten points higher than Cam Sutton, <laughs> and Cam Sutton is since I talked about him and Jerry as the two number ones, he's dropped a point. So him and Jerry's ratings are like within a point of each other. So I think. I wonder if we'll see Jerry this week. He only played one snap or two snaps last week. Um, only yeah. played special teams week before that. We'll he's healthy. We'll see. Maybe. He, well, he had that, maybe that, it's that a chance for, maybe, it's a ch- maybe it's a chance for him to get back and earn a spot and earn better graces with the coaching staff. Yeah. Could happen. It, He's if anyone will, it's him. He's got that heart soul to do that. So uh, across the line, of course, our line looks great. I, I mean, our 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 offense. So Jonah Jackson is our lowest PFF ranked player on the entire offense, and he's been playing with a broken wrist. Second to that is his JMO. Right. And, and JMO's looked pretty good in the plays that he's had. He had a beautiful catch there in Dallas. Um interesting you know he, he's trending up but i mean 
We've got some really solid players. I'm looking at these. We got a good offense. Yeah. So I'm looking at this. I'm like, wow, nice. Yeah. I love these. Our O line depth isn't very good. And I again, I wonder yeah. if Decker plays. Um, watch the practice status on him because if he's not going tomorrow or Thursday, if you're watching this on Thursday, that would be today. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't expect him to play. Um, that, that's me talking. That's not the Lions talking. That's a problem though because. Uh, then you're then you're moving Panay to left tackle. You're putting Chloe Sorstel probably at right tackle. I don't really like it. You don't have a lot of good options. And uh, you know, yeah. if, if right now if they decide they want to give him extra rest, that means Glasgow goes to center and Sorsdall. somebody plays card, and then that hasn't gone well. <laughs> Colby's gotten better. But yes, he I has. don't know he has. that he's ready. He's got a yeah, long way to go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if he plays that, hopefully that line continue is continuing to go up uh, exponentially. So we'll see. It needs to. Good stuff. And that's actually one of the reasons where if we're playing a kind of smaller line, it's a backups in line. We talked about that a little bit last week where I would maybe potentially expect we don't see and then hooker on the field. And uh, we see Teddy get him his yeah, chance and do that because you just don't want to risk Hendon at all at all because he is um, yeah. he is potentially a future for this team. And we'll talk about that as we get into the start of the offseason. There's a there's a lot of a lot of information rolling around right now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hooker is a guy not unlike golf who needs to have a certain level of individual confidence in himself. And going out and not playing behind a good line in his first ever experience in the NFL, I don't think that's a winning situation. And I wouldn't want him, I wouldn't want that to be his first experience in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay. There we go. Man, that was, that was a big show. We, we talked about a lot. There was a, I mean, look, good. I'm not, I'm not better cast. after <laughs> Dallas. I'm not better after Dallas talking through it with Blandino. I mean, look, he, he came down and said it in the end. Right. Brad Allen effed up, period. He talked about when he was there, how people were held more accountable. Doesn't seem to be that way now. He talked about how he would love to take another shot at bringing that back and bringing some of that transparency to the team. Um, Mm -hmm. we, We talked about kind of afterward, just kind of tied together how Jim Harbaugh. As, as an older gentleman has, has significantly changed his approach as a coach and how he seems to have learned and been able to read the room a little bit and, and, and taking this, this team to a national championship game. So, Hey, congrats on, on that. Good luck. Dean seems like a guy who's learned a lot. He's very introspective. He's been able to show a lot of his new thinking and forward thinking with the XFL. I love the idea of seeing him back with, um, back with the uh the nfl in some kind of capacity whether as a um some kind of a consultant or in that role because right now it's as bad as it's ever been and that started with letting the refs say f the owners and their vote on the rules we're not going to review we're not going to overturn pass interference the wrong people one one quick thing on the pool reporting um i i had a discussion with folks on this only one reporter is allowed to be and interview the, the player post game, yeah. the official post game. You get five minutes with him. They do time it. It's always somebody from the home in Detroit. It's always Dave Burkett. That's just Dave does. He's the president of the PFWA chapter. So he gets to do that. Um, Calvin, Calvin Watkins does it in Dallas. Calvin's a great guy. Great journalist. 
And I thought he did a good job asking what he could in the time that he was given. One of the things that we have talked about as PFWA as an organization, and I've been a member now for a while, is allowing one media member from each team to attend that pool report and to give them more time. And we're going to push harder for that as a collective organization. I don't know if it's going to work, but that's something that that's another thing that came out. We actually got a a memo distributed this week as that being a talking point for the off season. So there could be something that comes out of that. These are grown ass men who are not having a press conference and they should. And you have 22 year old kids out there who can't even talk. The refs can say whatever they want without recourse. These guys like Decker, he, he, he couldn't say what he truly thought. I mean, you could see the emotion wanting to burst out of him. Coach Campbell, I, I was impressed. Like I was, I was in the one. I'm like, Dan, pay the fine. We'll, we'll, we'll go fund me it. I don't give a shit. We will, we'll find the money to pay this fine for you. Go, go to town. But he didn't. And in, in retrospect, I was like, no, that's the class of Dan Campbell. That's he's people call him meathead or dumb. All that. He's none of those things. He's actually a very classy individual. He's got his shit together. He knows what he's doing. Um, good good work on him and um i just think seeing those guys show up and have to pay not not pay but be accountable for what happened yes. and have to say we made a mistake i know apology letters don't matter but that kind of accountability would go a long way and and there's all kinds of industries out there the nuclear industry is one of them where with compliance and things that are a matter of law you can't even have the appearance that maybe something isn't done according to the law. Right. Not even the appearance. Even if you've done it right, you can be found liable for doing something that appeared to have been done out of compliance. We need that kind of an attitude in this, especially with gambling, with the way it's tied in with the NFL. Now, I mean, we watched a six game suspension of JMO. There should be that kind of transparency in the in the in the rough. So. Anyway, all this conversation has been therapeutic, has been, has, has, has helped. I'm I'm glad it's helped you, Chris. (laughs) I hope it helped everybody else. (laughs) I've seen you when you get angry. It's not a pretty sight. It it happens. Um, I'm, uh, I'm more of the, the rage against machine calm like a bomb type. You don't want to be around me when the bomb goes off, but it doesn't go off very often. Yeah. I'm I'm a lot like that, but less. (laughs) 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 All right. Remember, Your fuse is a little shorter. <laughs> I, but you, you got to understand my fuse like all day in my real stuff is burnt, being burnt. Okay. It's been lit on fire. So it's like when you start to come to a hobby, it gets different. So, okay. Hey folks, we, we didn't ask, but we like to do this once. Please hit the like and subscribe button on the, on the show. Please do that. Um, just it's free. You stood around this long. You hit, you watch the show, just hit the like button. We appreciate that helps us other uh, get found by other people, helps the show grow. Like we continue to try to do and help, uh, you know, get us great guests and kind of get that kind of reach out there on, on some of these messages. So thank you. Uh, thank you all. I appreciate you uh, for, for joining us. Say, don't forget us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Detroit lions podcast, get access to the Slack chat very shortly. Patreon people. It's going to be the $9 tier. And I think it's going to be within this week. We'll have ad free access to all of the podcasts. So there'll be no ads, no nothing. You just get to listen straight through without any of that stuff. Uh, it's something people have been asking for and we had to do all the, all the stuff on that. So there you go. You'll get, you'll get access to the slack and ad free listening to all the daily DLP, Bish and Brown, ours, the whole thing coming through. 
uh, if you get into the $9 tier on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. Join us. Most intelligent Lions chat on the internet. Uh, also, follow us on Twitter at DET Lions podcast. And as you see there, at Jeff Rizdol. You can see us both pants-free in the most pants-free place in the world at DET Lions Podcast. Uh, that's where all the show announcements and everything else come through. Anything that's coming up or going to happen, you will find out about it there first. Give us a call on Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word. Or call us in the Lions line at 248-782-8384. It's 248-RUB, you fug. And be sure to go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast because what happens when they do that? What do you do? I get to come into your ear holes automatically. Yeah. <laughs> you dirty bird. Oh, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no fucking refs, no problems because we're your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. Thank you all. We will see you after victory over Minnesota. It will be Ash and Chris in the postgame show. Thank you. <laughs>